We turn this morning back to the beginning, to Genesis chapter 33. Even in utero, Jacob and Esau, twins born of Isaac and Rebekah, struggled with each other. Their father, Isaac, born of Abraham and Rebekah, have started their own, Abraham and Sarah, have started his own clan, living into the covenant that his father first received from God, that their descendants shall number the stars of the sky if they worship and obey God. And so after she conceives, God reveals an amazing revelation to Rebecca that two nations are in her womb, two peoples born of you shall be divided. From the sound of this ominous prophecy, these brothers had little hope of any sort of relationship from the beginning. Though Esau is born first and should receive the blessings and the inheritance of a firstborn son, Jacob secures his future by tricking Esau from his birthright and stealing his inheritance. And so as we might imagine, Esau's rage is extraordinary after he learns of his brother's deception and promises to kill his brother. And so Jacob flees. And for 20 years, the brothers see neither of each other. And so the story shifts to Jacob. No sound of Esau during these decades. Until one day, a grown Jacob with his large clan finds that they need to cross into Edom, the land that his brother and his descendants claim. And so, of course, Jacob is terrified. And in order to appease his brother, he sends huge, enormous gifts of livestock and slaves ahead, praying that these things will assuage any anger that Esau still holds. Esau learns of his brother's approach and seeks him out. And they meet for the first time since their youth. Can you imagine this moment? The fear in Jacob, the anticipation of seeing Esau's armies surrounding him. And what occurs? Bloodshed and revenge? No. Rather, restoration and forgiveness emerge as these brothers embrace. So hear now God's word from Genesis 33. I'll be reading verses 1 through 11. Now Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming and 400 men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two maids. He put the maids with their children in front, then Leah with her children and Rachel and Joseph last of all. He himself went on ahead of them, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. When Esau looked up and saw the women and children, he said, who are these with you? Jacob said, the children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the maids drew near, they and their children, and bowed down. Leah likewise and her children drew near and bowed down. And finally Joseph and Rachel drew near, and they bowed down. 
Esau said, What do you mean by all this company that I met? Jacob answered, To find favor with my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. Jacob said, No, please, if I find favor with you, then accept my present from my hand. For truly to see your face is like seeing the face of God, since you have received me with such favor. Please accept my gift that is brought to you, because God has dealt graciously with me, and because I have everything I want. So he urged him, and he took it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Remembering God's covenant, living into a new beginning. This has been our stewardship theme for the past couple of weeks as we consider God's faithfulness to our ancestors of old and we look forward to our own new beginning as we witness God's faithfulness in our own lives. And so tomorrow... Our next senior pastor, the Reverend Mark Curtis, will start in the church office. We have been waiting for this new start, this servant of God to join us and minister alongside us into the future. If you're like me, you seek a breath of fresh air, restoration and new life in what has been a tumultuous time. Our bones and our very hearts have been weary from these wilderness wanderings through this pandemic, from polarization, from relationships lost or broken. And so, yes, it is time to put away the pandemic pajamas, to put away our pandemic habits, and to get ready for what's ahead. Emerging from this pandemic wilderness and seeking to restore ourselves and repairing relationships take work. They take work, and we must rely on God's help to do this. And so we seek not to restore ourselves to our former lives pre-COVID, but we are to allow these past 20 months to inform our faith and what life will look like moving forward. We are not simply rewinding our lives back to what it was before the pandemic, for we are a changed people, just as Jacob and Esau are changed after their time apart. And so yes, change and restoration mean considering the past, but as people of faith, allowing grace and faith to lead us into the future. We do not have to stay stuck in the past as these brothers show us. Thankfully, a restoration, a reconciliation, our new beginnings are always inextricably linked to the grace offered to us through Jesus Christ. This work of restoration to God and each other is a response, a response to the grace God has given us a response that we live out through our relationships and through practices such as stewardship that restore relationships between people, the earth, and God. To be restored to wholeness 
is to look at ourselves deeply and thoroughly and examine our own experiences, our desires, fears, and passions in this world, in our relationships, and in our relationship to money. And then we embrace God's story, a story where God always says yes to us. Yes, I am with you. Yes, there is plenty. Yes, reconciliation is possible, even in the most seemingly impossible situations. And so we have these brothers born of the same womb, yet destined even before their birth to strive against one another. Jacob and Esau couldn't be more different. Esau, described as a hairy and red, skillful hunter and man of the field, while his younger brother Jacob was just a quiet man, described as living among tents. Jacob is fully aware of his second-born status, and he longs, he longs for a higher status in his father's inheritance. And through deceit, he achieves both, for he is so focused on money and getting ahead that his schemes result in just that, but also in a ruined relationship with his brother Esau, torn apart for game. And so it's strange they each go their separate ways. Jacob gives rise to the, the Israelites, while Esau's descendants are called the Edomites. But in time, as we see from this story, the brothers have to meet again. And so this reunion is anything but what we would imagine. For Jacob can only think of bloodshed and revenge from his brother. Would he even survive the encounter? Difficult relationships with siblings or with family is not a foreign thing to any of us. Perhaps even heightened during this difficult pandemic and political time. How many of us have stories, difficult stories about inheritance and the resulting rifts that are caused by those things? And so imagine seeing your brother approach you with a small army, 400 men flanking Esau with weapons ready to bolt at his command. Is this why Esau has brought them in the first place? Was revenge first in his mind? Jacob has done what he could to appease him with hundreds of goats and camels, rams, donkeys, cows, and slaves. Such an extravagant offering that he hopes will relieve the tension of their youth. Can he possibly make up for what he stole? So with his riches, Jacob hopes to sway his brother to prove that he is beyond his youthful scheming, only hoping he will survive their reunification. And then following his gifts, Jacob approaches his brother with a deep posture of submission, bowing before Esau seven times, paying obeisance. And yet, of course, we see that Esau's reactions to seeing his brother is utterly stunning. His longing to reunite with Jacob reveals a desire for deep reconciliation and reunion. Instead of giving the charge to his army to go forward, 
Esau leaves his company behind him, emerging alone and vulnerable, running towards Jacob and wraps his arms around his lost brother. Was this Esau's intention from the very beginning? Who knows? But embracing the twins meld together as they once had in their womb, in this stunning moment, they reconnect. Forgiveness is found, their relationship is restored, and their past no longer defines the future. So how might this look for us? How do we move forward? How might we, like Esau, look past the wounds and the scars of the past and allow forgiveness and reconciliation to restore us? And how might our own gifts and resources be used to shape a future that allows for forgiveness and restoration to blossom? Perhaps even our own restoration might lead to others. But we see that Esau could care less about the gifts, for he's rich in his own right. Jacob won't hear of it, though, and he insists that Esau takes them. For in his his giving, his heart is healed of that which he broke so heinously, that relationship. It is his response to Esau's grace. In response to his repentance, He gives an outward sign of his inward change. He needs Esau to know that he is a changed man. Scholar Richard Bucks writes, Jacob sends gift after gift of appeasement, offering so many gifts that it seems he will have nothing in the end. Jacob eventually bows before Esau, who has a change of heart and welcomes Jacob back home. Because Esau is rich and has no need, he refuses to take his brother's gifts. But Jacob entreats him, if you do me the favor, accept this gift from me. Since to see your face is for me like seeing the face of God. And you have received me so kindly. And when all is said and done, Jacob, for his own good, gives, appeases, and repents for his own good. Giving is a gift for him. Giving has become an act of repentance that redefines Jacob's relationship with Esau, where once he stole of Esau's greatest privileges, he now gives the best of his own riches, even though Esau has no need of them. Jacob's giving and Esau's giving of grace redefine who they are to each other restoring their relationship as God intended. Of course, Esau had every right to rekindle his anger at the injustice his brother bore him in their youth to linger in the past and seek to right the wrong that Jacob did to him. Jacob's deceivement affected not only Esau, but the generations that were to follow in his family, for great wealth and status were lost with that birthright and inheritance. But Esau, what does he say? He says, I have enough. Keep what you have. For Esau, the importance is not in the gifts his brother offers, but in the mending of their relationship. Unprotected and vulnerable, Esau places his life before his brother to signal a desire so strong 
He's willing to put his own life in danger to see his brother. In leaving his army and approaching Jacob's entourage, Esau signals to Jacob that he is willing to brave the space between them, embrace the vulnerability of risk, and start anew to heal their relationship. Esau releases the past, embraces the gifts Jacob gives as a sign of his brother's repentance, and a new path emerges where revenge is forgotten and two brothers are reunited. How can our own giving, our own sense of grace, serve as a response to God's desire for us to be restored to God, to each other, and to this earth? How can we build a community in the heart of Knoxville that reflects our gratitude and our desire to engage in authentic relationships? Julie Raines writes, God is always working to build community and often intervenes so that we will forgive and be forgiven and relationships can be restored. No matter how much he repents of his past, Jacob may not be embraced and accepted by his brother. In this situation, though, God has been working in Esau's life. The previously defeated brother has not become bitter. He has not wasted his life, ruminating about how things might have been different had his brother not tricked their father and stolen his birthright. Instead, Esau has continued with his life and created wealth in his own right. Perhaps he has also made peace with God for his mistake of so easily trading his inheritance for a bowl of soup. At any rate, Esau gladly welcomes his brother Jacob. The simple lesson here is that I must avoid bitterness, no matter how well-deserved, offer forgiveness, and seek reconciliation if I want to live in community and experience restoration. This is God's story. Restoration is the final act of remembering God's faithfulness, releasing those previous narratives, and reimagining a new way of being. This always requires courage and faith. Our new beginning will be exciting, but it won't be easy. Practicing Faithful stewardship allows healing in us as individuals, and it also helps restore right relationship with each other. God shows, God shows us through Jacob and Esau that we do not need to give up on each other, and that restoration is the path God always shows us to move forward. New beginnings do not mean that our past is erased or our scars disappear. New beginnings mean that the light of Christ's resurrection and restoration guide the way in us, through us, around us, and between us, even when we are still stuck in the wilderness. For it is through this, these measures, resurrection, restoration, and reconciliation that we are embraced by God and God shows us that we are capable of embracing others and showing God's abundance is plenty for all. Will you pray with me?
Good and gracious God, we thank you that in your love, you provide for us time and again. In this stewardship season, we are reminded of the bounty of your abundance. But we are also reminded that stewardship is not just about money. It is about our relationship with you and with each other. It is a response to the grace you gave us through Christ. And so empower us, enrich us, embolden us to give generously, to seek to restore relationships, to remember that you call to us time and again and are always seeking to restore us. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.